It's not every day you get to talk to a leading authority on energy medicine, but that chance came my way and I grasped it with both hands and had a conversation with a lady in America called Ellen Meredith, who's just written a fascinating book called Your Body Will Show You the Way, Energy Medicine for Personal and Global Change. Now, Ellen studied with energy medicine expert Donna Eden for many years uh, as she developed her own energy medicine practice. And Ellen has worked with over 10,000 clients during her career as an energy medicine practitioner. So she certainly has lots of experience and really knows her stuff. So I took that opportunity to ask her for a definition of energy medicine. And so our conversation starts off with that and then we dive into what her book is all about. I really liked the way you explained energy, the energy system and, and how it's different from the chemistry of our bodies. And I just wondered if you'd mind just sort of giving us your, in your words, how you see this difference between what energy medicine is and what chemistry and conventional medicine is. Certainly. Well, our body kind of speaks in two languages and it speaks in chemistry and it speaks in energy, in subtle energy. And we all know the chemistry from Western medicine because most of our medicine is chemically based. You know, we 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 test the blood for a chemical balance and then we take a, a chemical pill and we totally believe that white pill is going to heal us. When we switch to the other language, which is how the body communicates, you know, your brain sends out signals, your spine sends out signals. Throughout the body, there's, there's electromagnetics and other energetic signaling. We lose our belief that you can shift the energy to make a difference. But you can because it's, it is not only the other language that the body speaks in order to, to do its business, but it, it underlies the chemistry that when you shift the energy, you can shift your chemistry. But when you shift the chemistry, you don't necessarily influence the energies. And so energy medicine is any practice that allows you to participate in this energetic communication of the body, which includes yoga and acupressure and acupuncture and Tai Chi and Qigong and all those other traditional ones. And then this more contemporary form of energy medicine that I'm teaching in the book. But it's all about if it's chemistry, I can't participate. I'm not trained as a chemist. But if it's energy, I can participate because energy is a language and I speak fluent English. And in fact, I've learned some other languages. So I can participate in the creation of sentences and, you know, the learning of vocabulary and the building blocks of grammar. I can participate in energy because it's the first language I learned. As infants, we all know the language of energy and we're trained to go into verbal um verbal language instead, and we lose track of the language of energy. So in this book, I'm reteaching what people knew as they were infants, as in, in our early days on the planet. Do you believe it was an ancient form of healing that was lost and then has been rediscovered perhaps in recent years? Because it does rather beg the question, how, how have we survived for around 250,000 years on Earth if there was no medicine? 
Yeah, I think that um, it's always been here and it's been suppressed by cultures that chose to um, validate chemical over energy healing. But Aboriginal cultures uh, um, have used it. Shamanic cultures have used it. All, all the traditions of spirituality use some form of energy medicine. I mean, yoga has been with us in various forms. So I don't think it was lost. I think it has been um, encapsulated at different times in different traditions and then um, suppressed by the outside in rationalist cultures uh, more than, you know, if I travel in certain parts of the world, I've, I've worked a lot internationally. And some places, you know, I say what I do for a living, that I'm a channel and that I'm a, an energy healer. And they go, oh, yeah, my grandma does that. Oh, yeah, my, you know, all the women of our village do that. You know, there's it, it isn't lost. It wasn't suppressed as much as it was maybe oppressed. <laughs> and um, so those of us who grew up in a very Western cultural context may have lost track of it. But there are lots of traditions that we can hook into that can can remind us. And my job and what I've been asked to do by my inner teachers is find a contemporary form for it, not to just try to resuscitate traditional forms of healing, but find a, a way to explain it and teach it that people can identify with in their everyday life. So they don't have to think it's this arcane thing that comes from India, although those are beautiful traditions, or this weirdo practice that only, you know, Tibetans practice. Well, no, I mean, it's been seen in every culture, including Western American culture, but it's been suppressed. So it is about our reclaiming our, our birthright, I think, and our mother tongue. Your body will show you the way. Would you describe this? Uh, Ellen, as a, an energetic self-help book? <clears throat> well, I don't really resonate very much with the, uh, the term self-help because I think of it, I think of self-help books as kind of rules that other people give you in how to help yourself. <laughs> and that may be a prejudice on my part. It is, though, about how to um, tune into what your body, mind, and spirit are communicating with each other using the language of energy. So it is focused on self-healing, but it's also focused on healing the planet. And I, you know, I think it is um, a little different from a self-help book because it doesn't give a program for how to make changes, it really talks about, well, what is this built-in guidance system? We have this built-in guidance system in our body, and, um, and we're made of energy, and um, our body, mind, and spirit communicate using energy all the time. So how can we tap into that constant communication and creation of self that's happening and work with it more effectively to create not only the life we want for ourselves, but the life we want for the collective, for the planet. Hmm, that's interesting. So where did the idea come from to write this book? What led you to it? Well, I, um, I am a conscious channel, among other things. I was trained by my inner teachers uh, for many years. I've been in training with them for, oh, at least 50 years now. And so some of what I choose to do creatively is, is a collaboration with them and the teaching they've been given me they've been giving me. I'm also an energy medicine practitioner and a, and a medical intuitive. And so my work in the last um, 40 years has been to help people um, work with 
their own energies and their own healing. And I wrote a book two years ago called The Language Your Body Speaks that detailed that I really believe that um, that the body speaks energy and it's not a metaphor. It really is how this all works. And so what I wanted to do now is in this book was take that concept further and say, well, where do we get the guidance? Where do we get the information we need in order to make um, not just better choices, but a better creation of self in this life? I know that sounds kind of grandiose, but um, but that was my impulse is we're dealing with a lot of change. And, you know, I don't know anyone out there who hasn't experienced some kind of change, either personally or collectively. And it's not enough to just cope with change. I think we're in the middle of a really big sea change. It's it's more than just the, you know, more details and overwhelm. It's that we're really transforming um, as a species, as a planet. And I, I really believe um, we need to go inward to get that inner, inner guidance system activated. We have the equipment but we haven't been using it. And so I think this is this is about how do we activate that equipment for ourselves and use it every day in a in a in an easy and natural way. So is this book really about learning the language of our energy system? Yeah, and it's about um <clears throat> well, it it follows on the book I wrote called The Language Your Body Speaks and so this time around it you can read this book as a beginner. You don't have to know anything about the language of energy to read it, but it will speak to you if you're also very advanced, you've worked with energy systems for years and years. Because I'm not teaching about um, energy systems, I'm teaching about how energy communicates and how we can tap into that. And just as a brief overview, the language of energy is very multidimensional. It, it includes sound and imagery and touch and feeling and smell and all our sensations and direct knowing and um, ability to perceive a shift in a field of, of activity. Lots of things that we use all the time to navigate in life, but we, we tend to tune them out and go right up into the brain box and try to kind of um, run everything from our cognitive or our, our thinking brain. So it's about reactivating our full intelligence, and it's a full body intelligence. So how can somebody who reads the book find their inner voice? That How, how do they navigate to find that inner intelligence? Well, you know, that's that's what the book's all about. Every page of the book shows different ways to do that. And um, it's not, it is... Um, following a kind of intuitive pattern rather than a systematic, you know, first do this, then do this, then do this, because I believe that we all have um, different gifts and different abilities. So for some people, they they will tap into how they hear things and what to do with, with their ability to have hearing and inner hearing. For other people, it's visualization and visioning. Um, for other people, it's it's looking at when I know something, what do I do with that knowledge? What, what do I, how do I explore a thought or, or um, knowing that comes to me? So um, the book 
is easy to read. I, I wrote it to be very readable. You know, you don't have to learn all the exercises and things that are in there, but it's chock full of um, activities you can do. I call them play with it, where you can try things on for size. And, you know, just a very simple one, even in the introduction that I offer, and it goes way, way beyond that, is just when you're asking yourself a question and you don't know, kind of, you're, you're all confused in your mind, just put your hands out in front of you, kind of like a balance scale, and put two of the choices, one in each hand, and see which hand feels heavier to you. Let your body amplify that knowing. And that's, it's, it's just a simple tool. And, and I go beyond that because I really don't encourage us to stay with binary thinking, that either or thinking. But it's the kind of, it's a good example of the kind of thing you can do to, to amplify what, what you know um, beyond your, your thinking brain. When I read that, uh, the, the description you've just given about the balance, I thought it was really good and very simple, but it reminded me of dowsing a little bit. And I wondered if you'd kind of got that from any dowsing experiences that you had with your using your body as a pendulum. Well, you know, I do teach in the book. And uh, an energy test called the pendulum test that's out there that I learned from Donna Eden, who I studied with sort of later in my career. And um, so, but I didn't get it from that. I got it from my inner teachers early on when I was having trouble uh, making decisions. And they said, well, you you're having trouble making decisions because you're not listening to what you want and what you know. So put it into your body and let your body amplify that. So it's, it was an early lesson I got from my teachers, but you know, I didn't invent it. Dowsers use it. Lots of folks use that kind of um, amplification of yes, no. And what I want to say to, to listeners out there is some of you have encountered energy testing, muscle testing, uh, a pendulum, lots of different tools that give you yes, no. I think that's a terrible vocabulary. We would not go, you know, climb a mountain to visit the wise guru in the cage, in the cave, only to ask him, well, I'm going to ask you some questions and you can answer yes or no. I mean, that's not the best way to get wisdom. It's a good way to get immediate biofeedback from the body because the body is very wired for binaries. But in my book, what I'm talking about is how can you evolve your body past the binary into a more both and spherical awareness? So I talk about it as binary thinking versus spherical consciousness. And so a tool that only gives you two vocabulary words of yes, no, isn't a very good one. Just looking at it through the book, you you uh, start off with reference to the chakra system and, and as the sort of seven main chakras. It, it struck me that that's a relatively easy one of the energy streams to kind of connect to. It's not too complicated, whereas, you know, obviously other systems are, are very, very complicated and multi-layered. Um, right. Is, is that a right. good example of how someone can use the book, you know, who's a beginner maybe to get into this kind of stuff? Yeah, well, as a beginner, I don't think you even need to um, know about energy systems, although I introduce some of them in the context of activities. Um, you can just look at your everyday life experience and, you know, and and I give ways to do that in the these sections I call play with it. Um, for example, I, I, 
I'll come back to your question about chakras, but one that I give a lot earlier in the book is to imagine you have a sniffer dog, like at the airport. And um, you know how the sniffer dogs look for contraband in your bags. Sometimes we need to know where a situation comes from because a headache isn't just a headache or a stomach ache comes from some other part of our being, not only in our body, but sometimes in our energy field or even in our life. And so what happens if you get yourself a little sniffer dog or sniffer animal and send it off and say, hey, Bowser, find me where this is coming from. Where does this situation come from? And you let the dog show you where in your body or where in your life or field you need to bring your attention. That's something that you don't have to know anything about any energy system or any any tradition to try out unless you've never been to an airport and seen a sniffer dog, so you don't know what I mean. But most people <laughs> can figure that out from the description. And I've got tons of those kinds of everyday things you can do. So when you get to the something like the chakras, which are centers that bring energy in and out of our body, they're about our exchange with the world, but they're also storage systems. I mean, it's where we store a lot of our experience. So I have an exercise called fishing in the chakras, where you basically want to get more insight into one of your... Um, some issue you're exploring, body, mind, or spirit. It doesn't have to just be a health issue. And you go to each of the chakras and you throw in a, a fishing line. And you see what comes up, what, 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 what gets caught on your hook when you do that. And so it's a much more playful way to work with these um, as real places within our being rather than treating them as this learned system that I know how to clear a chakra because I, I circle this way and then I circle that way. And I don't mean to sound sarcastic. I love all those methods too. I, you know, I'm trained in Eden Energy Medicine, which has some beautiful methods for working with each system. But too often we don't internalize what we've learned because we don't own them as part of our being. We, we've learned them as this thing someone else told us we had. And if you can't feel your chakras or experience them through direct interaction, they remain these abstracts that someone else tells us about. And so I teach people, you know, feel them. What, you know, can you feel anything moving and swirling? Play with your hand and see, see what you feel there. You know, and if you don't feel anything, tune into your imagination. What do you see there? And if you don't see anything, tune into your taste. You taste something there. Again, activating your ability to perceive energies so that we're not just going with um, learned details. Because most of us, I don't know about you, my brain is chock full of stuff that I've read in books and I've learned and other people's ways of systematizing reality. And it doesn't connect me up to my truth. In fact, sometimes it imposes a reality that isn't there. That, and I can't perceive what's true for me in this moment in this body because I'm caught up in other people's definitions. Well, that does open up a little side question. I, I had another question in mind, but as you've mentioned the word truth, and you are talking about an energy healing system that has a wider implication than just personal healing, Yes. What's your take on truth? Because, um, you know, there's a slogan out there which says we're living in a post-truth world referencing media. Well, I think anyone can understand the media was never intended necessarily to tell you the truth about something. It was an always going to be an opinion on something. So it was written by another yeah. human being. 
do you feel that truth only really exists within us as individuals, within our hearts? Well, I, I mean, that's an excellent, excellent question. And I have an entire chapter in the book on outside in thinking versus inside out. This notion that we need to shift from understanding truth is what other people think, what other people tell us, even the studies other people do, many of which are quite flawed, but they still say this is the truth because we've proved it. And we need to be act, able to activate our soul's truth, whatever that is. And it doesn't mean that it's more true than what other people experience. But if I don't know what's right for me and what's true for me coming from deep within, then I'm at the mercy of whatever flim flam person can convince me they're more true. Their, their truth is more truthy than the next person's truth. And that's what our era is about right now. It's competing truths because we're being bombarded by so much unfiltered information. I mean, the internet doesn't have editors anymore, you know, like, like publications had. And even that was flawed. And it is part of this movement towards um, global spherical consciousness where I know because I can tune into the part of my nature that is part of the collective. And, you know, we're like bees and dolphins and other animals that and trees even that that have swarm consciousness or collective consciousness and as individuals i think that how we save ourselves and the planet is we connect into our ability to hear and perceive what's what's for the good of humanity from my perspective and with global consciousness because it's a both and consciousness where what's true for me is very contextual to where I sit and what I'm living and it might be a very different truth for what you live over there and you know anthropologists have known this for quite some time that everything that we think is fixed and definite like even definitions of male and female that differs from culture to culture and so we, everything we think is truth and fact is relative to its context and its purpose. So I think that we do need to get inside and know what our purpose and our truth is and our deepest values so that we can operate out of those and not be swayed by the wind of other people's hot air, you know, including me as an author. I don't want you to read my book and say, now I know the truth. I want you to read my book and say, now I've got a good idea of how I can get closer to my truth, how I can really connect in and hear my truth on a more regular basis. And if I accomplish that with this book, I think, whoa, that's, that's a great accomplishment. You don't have to remember any of my exercises if what you take away is I'm listening to myself better now and I'm hearing my soul's truth in amongst those inner voices that guide me. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and and I'm sort of thinking, um, you know, finding that that inner compass, that that inner truth that you talk about in the book is is obviously really useful and beneficial to us. And and I, and I do like the way your book actually has what you call, you know, let's play, um, and and it's encouraging people to do their own work and do their own experiments and finding out things and and. I'm sure that, you know, sometimes the things that are blocking that you can't make work perhaps are telling <laughs> telling us more than the things that do work. But I love the fact that it's experiential. And I think that's actually really, um, really special. Well, thank you. I, I think it has to be. I think it has to be. I mean, one of the things that at the root of that is that our culture tends to think we're all generic. 
that they can do an, a study of a hundred thousand people and tell us what the truth is because of the majority, because there's some belief underlying it that we're all the same, that we're all generic. And we're not. I mean, I don't perceive us that way. I see, if I look at a crowd of people, I see different strands of spirit coming into each of us and they have different flavors. So the energies that feed you aren't identical to the energies that feed me and they aren't identical to the energies that feed someone else. And the instrument that you create to play the music of your soul needs to be a different instrument than the instrument I create to play the music of my soul. And that's true of each reader. So I think that we need to get past this kind of culture-wide notion that truth is generic, that reality is generic, that that the body is generic, and understand that the diversity that we're made of is, is spectacular. You know, it's like all the c- colors of the rainbow and then some, and start to claim what our energies need in terms of an instrument to, to play the music of our own soul, you know, and the orchestra has all kinds of instruments in it and the piccolo can't do what a cello can do, but in its own context, the piccolo is an amazing instrument. A cello can't do what a piccolo can do. And I think that, you know, that we, we do pressure each other to be some kind of generic norm, even though nobody can quite say what that is. I mean, you have to be skinny and beautiful and tall and, you know, that's what I've kind of taken from the norm. We need to get past that. It's just so um, negating of what this human expression is. I mean, you look around a crowd, everybody's different. Did some of the inspiration for writing this book come from your experience as an energy healer when, uh, you, you know, you ask somebody, well, why have you come to see me? What's troubling you? What's the problem? And they give you a kind of a psychological interpretation of pain or an issue or conditioning and they're they're not able they don't have the tools to feel into what is actually underneath the problem yeah absolutely that that's been part of what influenced me another part is that we get these diagnoses they come in and they say I've got cancer And I'm thinking, okay, that's like the last name Smith. There's so many different kinds of cancer. What is it you have? And they've already objectified it to a thing out there. And they've looked it up on the internet. So they're like trying to make their experience conform to what they've read. And of course, the the name cancer carries so much baggage. So they've taken on some of that baggage. Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Instead of being able to tune into what is happening in here And what is this thing that maybe my doctor called cancer, but I can call boundary issues because my my cells are replicating too fast. And how can I look at that? So what I try to teach people is how to get to the energetics of whatever situation it is rather than the external definitions. And I do that in a lot of different ways, including asking it for a different name. Ask ask your your, your so-called illness, your situation, what do you want me to call you? How you know what? What's your name today? And then dialoguing with that, unpacking the meaning of the name for you. Um, dialoguing with you know Horace or Myrtle or Myron or you know whoever shows up to let them teach you what you need to know, why they're signaling with imbalance, um, and where you can go um, to find balance. And so along with that externalization of our experience. We've also um, internalized a question that we ask over and over in our culture, and I think it's the wrong question. We ask, what's wrong? 
and how can I fix it? Over and over, especially with healing. And we go to the doctor, what's wrong? Let's figure out what's wrong. And then I'll tell you how to fix it, how to heal it. And if we just shift to better questions, what's needed here? Who's needing to be heard? How can I support you today? Where are my strengths right in this moment? If we ask better questions, we get better information. And I learned that the hard way by asking over and over for years and years, what's wrong, how can I fix it? And getting so much information about my wrongness that the fabric of the rightness that could have supported the healing was getting degraded by the process of trying to heal. And yes, I've worked with oh, at least 10,000 clients over the years channeling and or healing. And, um, and most of them don't know how to go in and listen and hear and encounter to connect into their own being. And I've come to kind of believe that the root of illness is disconnection, that the root of not feeling right, whether it's emotional, social, spiritual, etc., is that we're not connected. And if you think of a car, I push in the clutch to disconnect the gears. And when I'm disconnected, I can't go forward. I can't make the car move. I have to engage the gear. I have to get in gear to move. And that getting in gear is, is about connecting in to the instrument so it can actually heal. Because your body knows how to heal. But boy, do we put a lot of um, obstacles in the way of doing that. Because healing is about moving towards wholeness and wellness. And if we're always asking what's wrong, what's wrong, and, and what's causing me to be defective, we're not moving towards wholeness or wellness. We're moving towards a really wonderful understanding of defects and, and wrongness, which maybe makes us interesting you know, to other people who have that same question, but doesn't, um, doesn't heal what's ailing us. Brilliant. Well, thank, thank you. And uh, just want to remind everybody listening, uh, the book is called Your Body Will Show You the Way by Ellen Meredith. And I imagine it's available at uh, all good bookstores and no doubt on your website. And I'll put that in the show notes for this episode. Um, Great. Thank you very much, Ellen, for your time and your wonderful explanation. It's very helpful. Oh, thank you, Simon. And thank you for the work you're doing in the world. <laughs>